Hi, this is Eric, and welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. We continue our three-week teaching series called Inbounds with a challenge to make the choice to stay inbounds because it's the best place to be. Join me as I'll be sharing from Joshua chapter 7 about an individual who stayed and led inbounds. I've got some great news to share with you guys today, and I kind of woke up in the middle of the night and remembered that I had the opportunity to share this with you and just got really excited about that and couldn't wait for this morning because this is really fun stuff, and it's a joy just to be able to give you an update on some things that have been happening here at Valley Point Church. So you know that back in December, we had this goal, a Christmas initiative of gathering $25,000. And we threw that challenge out there and said, this is what we want to do. This is what we're dreaming about. And we chose three different ministries that we were going to share that money with. We were going to share it with an orphanage in Russia. And we were going to give a portion of that to a ministry called City Team that works with the poorest of the poor in Chester. And then we were also going to share that with Urban Promise in Wilmington as they deal with educating low-income kids who aren't able to afford that type of education. And so we threw out that challenge. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I want to give you a final report on our offering and tell you that we brought in a little over $34,000. Isn't that great? You know, we exceeded our goal by 36%. And whenever you exceed a financial goal by that amount, that can only be explained by God. And so we're really, really excited about that. And we've already given out that money. We sent it to the orphanage in Russia. And they had the opportunity to provide a fantastic Christmas for the kids that were there. And that's all because of you and your generosity. And then this past week, I had the chance to go out and visit City Team and Urban Promise. And I got to sit down with a lady called Wanda Dixon. And Wanda works at City Team. And she works in the baby department and the mother department. And she gives diapers away and formula and used children's clothing to the people that come in that have those kinds of needs. And so I got to sit down with her and hand her a check. And she opened that thing up. And just started to cry. And it was a great moment to know that what we were able to provide is going to help City Team. And that little department there just really serve people in a great way. And she was so thankful she could hardly express it. And it was fun delivering that kind of check. So right after that, I drove down to Wilmington and got to see Rob Prestowitz. He's the executive director there. And I sat down with him and said, Rob, you know that we've been collecting some money and here's the envelope. And he began to open that up and he said, you know what? If it's 50 bucks, that's going to be great for us. That'll be very helpful. So he opened up that check and it was several thousand dollars, of course. And he just couldn't believe it, was blown away and expressed a lot of thanks. So I share that with you so that you know your generosity right now is beginning to make a difference in our communities and around the world. And can we just thank God for what he's doing through us and our generosity. You know, the Super Bowl is today. 
I don't know if you're aware of that or if that's a big deal for you or not, but it's kind of this big cultural event that takes place on the first Sunday of every February, and it's been happening for the past 46 years. I think the frustrating thing about this Super Bowl is that the Eagles were supposed to be playing in it, right? And, of course, that didn't happen, and so now we're stuck with two teams that nobody really cares about. It's kind of interesting because, yeah, I was at the airport on Friday picking up a friend, and as I was in the cell phone waiting lot, the car next to me died. And they were trying to get it started, and the thing just wouldn't work. And so finally the guy got out of his car, and he popped the hood, and he was looking at it, and I noticed that he had on a New England Patriots hat. Now, I have never liked the New England Patriots. Never. And so I began to think about what I should do in this situation. And I'm not very mechanical, so I kind of used that as an excuse. And then I actually asked the question, what would Jesus do here? And I convinced myself that Jesus probably would not help a New England fan. Of course, that's not true, so I got out of the car, and we found some jumper cables, and we got his car running, and everything is good with the world, but we're still stuck with watching a Super Bowl that nobody cares about. So, to lift your spirits a bit on this Super Sunday, we're going to actually give you a Super Bowl snack pack. It's Valley Point's gift to you. And so our host team is going to come right now, and every family unit is going to get one. If you're here as an individual, you're going to get one. And what you'll find in that snack pack is just a bunch of candy and chocolate, some comfort food to help you make it through a miserable day. There's also a little football in there to relieve a bit of stress. And I hope all of that just makes your day bright today. So while they're passing that out, I want to tell you that it seems like Super Sunday anymore is really more about the food and the snacks. Forget about the game. It's about what we get the opportunity to eat on this day. And so there was some research done recently on how much food gets eaten today. Just today. So check this out. 1.25 billion chicken wings will be consumed this weekend. That's billion, not million. And with just over 300 million people that live in America, that's four wings for every single person that lives in this great country. It's kind of crazy. Guacamole is another Super Bowl favorite. And Americans will power through an estimated 69.6 million pounds of guacamole. Sounds nasty. (laughs) Americans will eat an estimated 30 million pounds of other kinds of snacks and other delectable goodies throughout the day. And it is estimated that during the course of this game, each person will consume at least 1,200 calories. And that's probably a bit on the low side. So get this. Super Bowl Sunday is now the second biggest day for consumption of food in America next to Thanksgiving, which is a day dedicated to food. So it's kind of a crazy thing. And what's unique is that at some point in this day, a game will be played 
on a field. You know, we're in this series called Inbounds. And we're simply talking about how God wants all of us to live an inbounds kind of life. He doesn't want us out of bounds. He doesn't want us on the sidelines. He wants us engaged in the game spiritually. He wants us in bounds. And since today is Super Bowl Sunday and we're talking about inbounds and playing between the lines, I thought it would be very appropriate to talk about football. And so we're going to do that. But I don't have any football stories to share with you about my life because when I was in high school, I didn't play football. I wasn't exactly built for that. And the big football players in my school walked around and they looked like they always wanted to eat somebody. And I really wasn't into that either. So I have no personal stories to share with you about football. But I do have an interview that I want to share with you from a guy named Tony Dungy. Tony Dungy is a former professional football player and coach. He was the coach of the Indianapolis Colts from 2002 to 2008. Tony became the first African-American to win a Super Bowl when his Colts won the whole deal in 2007. He's a pretty successful guy. But beyond all of that, Tony's a husband, he's a father, and he's a follower of Jesus, and he's given his entire life to helping other people find Christ. And so I want you to listen to this interview and listen to some of the ways that Tony talks about how he has lived in bounds. So check this out. 2005 season, we're we're the number one seed. We've got a, a great team, a team really without any weaknesses. We've got home field advantage. Everyone is saying it's our year. We end up falling behind to the Steelers in our first round game. We march back. We've got a chance to tie the game up and go into overtime. And uh, Mike Vanderjet's our kicker. Extremely accurate guy. Never misses a big kick, and he misses. Pittsburgh goes on to win the Super Bowl. And now you kind of hear it from everybody. Well, the Colts are never going to win one. They've had all these teams that are, are really good, but something's missing, and that window of opportunity is going to close up on them. I can remember thinking, man, as good a team as we had, if we don't win it now, we may never win it. And I'm going to have to be okay with that. I think you can glorify the Lord in every circumstance. How you respond to failure, how you respond to disappointment, uh, says a lot more than how you do in successes. God has taken some unexpected things in my life uh, over and over, uh, and and really, I think, tried to find out if I was going to stay with Him or if I was ever going to get to the point where I say, this is too much, I'm going to go my own way. I started coaching when I was 25 years old. And probably by the time I'd been an assistant coach for 10, 11 years, the word was getting out, this guy might be a good head coach. I started to interview for for head coaching jobs, but everyone was looking for that stereotypical coach, looking for the guy who was going to 
demand perfection from his players who was going to show that emotion and, and everything that they expected to see in a, in a head coach. And that wasn't me. How much does this mean to you? How much are you prepared to sacrifice to, to lead his team? And, and what's important to you in, in life? And you know what the, the, the man wants to hear, but it's not really what's in your heart. I'm gonna give you a lot. I'm, I believe I'm gonna deliver you a championship, but no, the, the team is not gonna be the most important thing. When I was called to interview at Tampa, I told Lauren, we're not gonna get this job. I don't know anybody there, I have no connections. And so when I got the job, I said, you know what, we wanna win a Super Bowl, and I believe we will. I wanna do it the right way. I wanna do it so that our young men are people that the community is gonna be proud of. I wanna do it in such a way that we're doing the right things with our families, and it's gonna be a win-win situation. I believe it can be done, and I believe it can be done here. came down feeling like, hey, this is where God wants us. We're going to win. Everything's going to be great because this is God's plan. It's not my plan. <sighs> That's, to me, one of the hardest things in, in life when you have an idea of the way things are going to go what you hope for, what you dream about, what you pray for, and it doesn't come through. Uh, that's when it's easy to get disappointed with God. Why didn't it work? Why didn't it uh, pan out the way I thought it would? It was one of the biggest disappointments of my life because I did feel like the Lord had brought me down to Tampa. And I had to realize that it worked out. It just didn't work out the way I had planned. I didn't know at the time when I got fired uh, what I was supposed to do. Um, was I supposed to look for something in Tampa outside of football, or was I supposed to look for another job, another city? And Jim Irsay, the owner of the Colts, called me, and he said, we're making a change at, at head coach with the Indianapolis Colts, and you're the guy that I want to be our coach. I believe in all the things that you believe in. We want to do things the right way. We want to win, but win with the right kind of people, and you're the guy to lead us. And that, that was a message that I really needed to hear at that point. favorite passage in the Bible is um, where Christ says, what would it profit a man to gain the whole world but forfeit his soul? And with 31 years in the National Football League, I've seen that a lot. And so to me, that was the thing that I always wanted to, to tell my players. Um, don't, don't put this game first. Don't, don't make football everything in your life, how we relate to each other, how we live, uh, what you have in your heart for eternity, uh, how you respond to the Lord, that's, that's the most important thing. This game will take care of itself. Even though we 
you know, for four or five years, had those bitter disappointments at the end of each year. I never gave up. Uh, it wasn't to the point where I said, hey, we can never win this thing. But I, I got to the point where if that is what God has in store, it would be a bitter pill to swallow. But uh, I'm going to be okay with that. slogan by that time was, it's our time. Um, you know, those disappointments were in the past, but now it's our time, and we got to seize the moment, and, and we did that. Amazing thing in the locker room, Super Bowls are, are so different. As soon as you win, the celebration starts. You have a ceremony out on the field. It maybe takes 40 minutes to get everybody back together. Many of our players were just waiting. They said, Coach, we've got to finish this one like we have every other game. We've got to have the team prayer. And we asked that uh, the reporters shut their cameras down and let us pray. And I was so proud of the guys for, for hanging in there and saying, this is what we want to do. We want to honor the Lord in this victory. And uh, we did that. One photographer didn't honor our wishes. He took a picture of it. But that picture went all over the internet, went all over, and it was really a, a great tribute to what that team had in mind of, of putting the Lord first, even at the Super Bowl. Every decision I make in life, I'm going to make it through the lens of Jesus Christ. I'm going to put him out there first, and my own feelings, my own thoughts, my own desires are going to be second. It's that simple, and if we do that, Christ promised that he would come into our lives, he'd be our head coach, and he'd guide us to, to that victory, that ultimate victory. I'm Tony Dungy, and I am second. The big idea that jumps out of this interview is this. Make the choice to stay in bounds. Make that choice. Last week we said make the choice to get in the game spiritually, get in bounds, but I think you also have to make the choice once you're there to stay in bounds because there's so much stuff that will push us way out of bounds. So make this choice. I think the question though is how? I mean, that's a really easy thing to say. It's kind of a nice thing to say, but how do you stay in bounds? I want to answer that by giving you two takeaways and kind of wrap that in just a great story found in Scripture. So here's takeaway number one. As you seek to stay in bounds, choose now how you will respond to failure. Make that choice now. Let me ask you, do you have a personal plan for how you respond to failure in your life? Do you know what step you'll take on that dark day or does whatever just kind of happen? And I think sometimes we look at people like a Tony and we see the wins and we see the awards and the fame and the money that comes with that. We see all of the success and that's what we focus on. But as Tony said, there was also a lot of failure that he had to deal with in life. And dealing with success is kind of an easy thing. That's no big deal. We enjoy that. We like that. We invite that in. But dealing with failure, that just kind of stinks. There's an individual in Scripture by the name of Joshua. 
And Joshua was the leader of God's people, and he was an incredible individual. But as a group, as a nation, they walked through a pretty significant failure where they clearly walked outside of the lines and they violated God's laws and principles for them. And they were way out there. They were in a lot of trouble. And they lost a battle as a result of that, a battle they should have won, and they were really confused by that. And people died as a result of this failure and this disobedience. But yet here's what we discover about Joshua. Here is exactly what Joshua did, and we find this story in Joshua chapter 7, verse 6. It says this, Joshua and the elders of Israel tore their clothing in dismay, and they threw dust on their heads and bowed face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord until evening. And then Joshua cried out, O sovereign Lord, why did you bring us across the Jordan River if you are going to let the Amorites kill us? I mean, we're down, we failed, we lost. If only we had been content to stay on the other side. Lord, what can I say now that Israel has fled from its enemies? For when the Canaanites and all the other people living in the land hear about it, they will surround us and wipe our name off the face of the earth. And then what will happen to the honor of your great name? So Joshua, as the leader of God's people, as a group, they walk through this great failure. And here's what Joshua does. He runs straight to God, straight to God. And he brings all of his stuff and all of his fears and all of his questions straight to God. Have you walked through a failure recently in your life? I mean, something that has just devastated you and you feel like you're down on the ground and you're ready to tear your clothes and do all kinds of things because it just has you so hurt. But what we find from the example of Joshua is that in every and each failure, it's okay to run to God. Run to God. Run to God. See, we like doing the opposite, don't we? When we fail, we kind of run away from God and people who might point us in his direction because we don't want any part of that. And when that happens, we land way out of bounds, and that's not where God wants us to be. So we can take all of our fears and all of our frustrations and all of our failures, and we can run to God, and here's why we can do that. Because he is more than capable of carrying everything that we bring to him, and he's not surprised by anything. He's not. It's not like God looks at us and says... Well, you really screwed up this time. Congratulations, I have never seen this before. Wow. That's not God. As a matter of fact, he looks at all of our failures and he has the ability to turn them into ultimate good. I love this quote. God is in the resume building business. And he is always using past experiences to prepare us for future opportunities. But we have to choose to take that step and run to God. We have to choose to get in that lane or failure will absolutely eat us. So we're all going to fail. 
I mean, this is going to happen for all of us. We will have these days and these moments where we make mistakes. Make the choice now about how you will respond to failure so that you can stay in bounds and just know the greatest thing to do is to run to God. Run to God and place it all at his feet. He's capable and he can do it. Here's takeaway number two. As you seek to stay in bounds, get ready to make some adjustments. You know, players have to make adjustments in games, and we've got to make adjustments in life. And here's the adjustment that Joshua made. We find it in verse 10, and I love this. But the Lord said to Joshua, get up. Get up. Why are you lying on your face like this? Get up and command the people to purify themselves. So here's the deal. After a failure, just get up. Purify yourself. Confess. Own your stuff. And just know that this is the greatest way to stay in bounds and continue the process of completely obeying God. See, here's what this is about. This is about placing God in the driver's seat of our lives. And that happens when we confess and we get up and we move with him again in complete obedience. My oldest son is 16 and he's starting the process of driving. And I want to be honest with you and say that when I see him in the driver's seat, I don't like it. It's not a good feeling, doesn't make me very happy, I get kind of anxious, and my preference is that he would not be there. I'd like to take him out of that seat. And I think so often this is exactly what we do with God. Maybe we begin the process of really putting him where he belongs, and then all of a sudden we look and we get a little anxious, and we're not too excited about that. And we would prefer that God not be there. See, this is about making God number one. And when we confess, when we own our stuff, when we get clean and we get pure, this is what God can do in our lives. So, we can continue to give God a duty bow here and there. Or we can completely hand everything over to him and allow him to own us to the point where every breath, every word, every action, every thought is captive to what God wants for us. It's Tony Dungy saying, I'm going to put him out there first. And my own feelings, my own thoughts, my own desires are going to be second. It's that simple. So if we're going to pull that off, if we're going to do that and we're going to stay in bounds, which is exactly where God wants us to be, then we have to choose now. We've got to choose today. Like before we walk out of this room, how we're going to respond to failure because failure will come to all of us. So choose now what that's going to look like for you. And run to God. Run to him. And then get ready to make some adjustments. And the greatest adjustment that we can make is just to get clean and really pure. 
So let me ask you, are you fighting for these things? Are you fighting to stay in bounds? I hope so, because this is where God wants us to be. Father, we're so thankful for a few moments on this super Sunday to kind of just think about what you want to say to us. And God, we want to live our lives in bounds. This is what we want so desperately. And God, it's pretty easy to get taken out of bounds. We fail. We stumble. We mess up all of the time. And God, when that happens, we tend to run away from you. And part of what we discover today from looking at the life of an individual named Joshua is that he didn't run from you, he ran to you. And so, God, I pray that you give us the strength and the willingness to chase that. God, I pray that you'd help us to make the choice now about how we'll respond to failure. God, don't let us leave that to chance. If we just assume whatever will happen, God, we're going to land out of bounds. That's not where you want us. So God, help us to get ready for that. Help us to choose now. Help us to put a personal plan together for how we'll respond on that dark day because it will come. God, help us to make adjustments. And the adjustment that we can easily make is to come clean and to confess and to own our stuff. So God, I pray even right now in this room, you'd help people to be willing to do that, to chase that in their lives. God, you're so amazing and you're so incredible that you pick us up and you're able to rebuild our resume. And so, God, for those that need that, I pray that you give that as well today. God, we thank you so much for being our amazing God. We lay this at your feet now and ask that you bless us and encourage us. Give us a great day of responding to you and your greatness. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. I'd also like to invite you to any one of our Sunday gatherings at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.